And it's so easy to say, all right, bye, let's break up. It's not working out or let's, you know, mm. but it's, it's harder to say, Ooh, what part of me is feeling activated and why is that? And what part of the other person is also activated where what parts of our little selves, the little kids in ourselves, our inner kids, our inner children in ourselves need that love, need that validation, is scared, is threatened, needs to just be reminded of who they are. Let's go! Welcome to Becoming an Epic Being with your host, Sukoon. As an advocate of conscious living, my mission is to help you young adults navigate through the confronting issues of your generation, question conventional beliefs, and choose authenticity, because that is where your true joy lies. Each week, I dive into raw conversations with inspiring guests who have undergone big shifts and are here to offer you the tools to do the same. So get ready to step up your game and jump on the ride as you begin the journey towards the next stage of your self-evolution. Welcome back to season two, you guys. And for those of you here for the first time, so glad you're here. We're diving into a very hot topic, which also really speaks to me, which is expressing ourselves authentically because all of us genuinely suck at that. And we're going pretty deep into this. Like you'll be learning a lot about how to stay self-aware, have difficult conversations, move past people-pleasing tendencies, and more importantly, how to stay intentional about who you are and the kind of person you want to live your life with. And I'm so excited to be doing this with one of my most adored humans on this planet, who is Dr. Neetha Bhushan. Besides being this incredibly beautiful soul, Neetha is a transformation speaker, a best-selling author, the host of a podcast, The Brave Table, and the founder of Global Grit Institute. I'm also going to go as far as saying that when I think of resilience, I think of Neeta. And very soon, you'll know why. You ready for some nuggets? Let's dive in. Hello. Oh my gosh, how are you, Sukun? Good. How are we, lovely? So good to see you. Yay. Well, here we are. Thank you for being here. I know you have a lot going on, but thank you for showing up to serve like you always do. Of course. And I would never miss it. Thank you for having yeah. me. I want to start off by saying that when I first saw you at the MVU stage in Pula, I was blown away by your talk. Like I was so deeply moved just listening to your life story with all that you've been through with losing your parents so young and raising your siblings. And in that moment, I was like, Wow, that's resilience and courage right there in this beautiful human form. So thank you for being who you are. And I'm just so in awe of your approach towards life because in spite of all that you've been through, Neeta, you know, you're now teaching grit, like you have your podcast, The Brave Table, which of course I love, and your book now, which we'll dive into in a while, which is That Sucked, Now What? We'll talk about yes. that. And because I recognize you to be this resilient and brave soul, I really want to talk about resilience and courage in the context of dating and relationships because I'm sure we agree that all of us struggle with expressing ourselves authentically and being real with ourselves and with people and this of course is evident everywhere from strained relationships to the world of dating where you have like people breaking up over text and like ghosting and what yes. so from your life experience and journey I guess my question is how can we embrace more courage in our personal dynamics and relationships Oh, this is like one of the things that I love so much when we talk about 
um, being brave and having brave conversations. Because I think the, you know, in order to talk about why we ghost and why our interpersonal dynamic sometimes sucks, well, mm-hmm. it's because we are, I mean, at the core of it, as humans, we're afraid of rejection. And we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of disappointing the other. And if we're disappointing, if we're afraid of disappointing the other, then we aren't really going to have the bravery or the curiosity or even the courage to say, you and I are not going to be okay together, or Mm -hmm. I'm not okay that you did that. And so, you know, I feel like even in our South Asian diaspora or, you know, our Desi diaspora, many times we are, you know, we're grown up, we're, we're breeded, we're taught very young that, you know, don't, don't talk back to this person or you have Mm. to be, you, you know, you have to pay your, your respects to this person Mm. or not. Right. Don't, don't disappoint them. Don't Mm. make them feel bad. It doesn't matter about what you think. Like you can not <laughs> like that uncle or that auntie, but you still have to pay respects. And I want to challenge that a bit because I want to acknowledge, you know, our, the little child in ourselves that probably knew better, that probably knew that uncle or auntie was not kind, you know, <laughs> was, the, was the gossip auntie or, or the uncle that was a creepster, yeah. but we were forced to interact with them for whatever reaction. And so then that cycle, and I'm using this as a very broad example, and of course, to make a point and because it's a little funny, but it's true. And then we grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to disappoint somebody. And that patterning, that programming, that belief system in our head carries on into when we get older as adults, we can't say no to a relationship. We can't say no or confront somebody in you know, a beautiful way and not in a personal attack way of saying, Hey, you know, that really hurt my feelings that you said that, or that you did that. Or, you know, I don't think that, I think you are right for somebody else, but Mm, not for me. me. And and I, I think you're an amazing person and I wish you all the best, right? We're so quick. And also I think that the forces of nature of the dating apps and the dating world, everything's just so fast. And so because we're also moving so fast, we're responding to four or five people on an app a lot of times having consecutive conversations that many times we don't take a moment to just pause and to breathe and to just acknowledge and see where we are at and to check in with our feelings, our emotions, do we even want this right now? Is it because somebody's telling me that I should go on a date with somebody? Is it because no. I'm approaching a certain age and society mm-hmm. thinks that I have to do X, Y, and Z or be X, Y, and Z by X, Y, and Z age? And so a lot of our social constructs, our social conditioning kind of gets subconsciously poured exactly. into our decision-making. I just feel that we've never really been taught to have difficult conversations. And that, of course, takes a toll on our sanity because you're always trying to impress or please. And I mean, it's really difficult, especially in the dating world where, I mean, how do you actually tell someone that, look, you aren't for me or I don't like you? Is there a way to do that? And from what I've heard so far, that is very feasible as long as you're in touch with what you're feeling internally and just being able to express that. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. I think most of us are so taught and trained to please other people 
that in the pleasing, we forget that we need to please ourselves first. We need to see, is this actually feeling okay for me right now? Mm. And if it's a, if it's a no, then we should actually be honest and mm. say it out loud. I am feeling really stressed out right now. I am feeling that this time I'm so, I'm too busy to do anything for myself right now, or I've, I'm feeling too depleted right now. So to really, and it takes two steps. It takes the acknowledgement to, you know, take a moment to sit back and to check in. So that's number one. And number two, to say, okay, well, we've had a few good interactions. Well, I, I feel like there, I did notice a red flag. They were talking about, you know, badly about all their friends. I don't know mm. if that's somebody I want to really date. You know, so then we can make the decision from there. Absolutely. Also, I think at a subconscious level, we are just like a bit scared and terrified of being seen, like through our imperfections and through our flaws. How can we actually get over that? Oh, that's so great. So the imperfections, I think it's, you know, I think what we're really talking about here, the deeper layer is self-acceptance. Because if we're not accepting the quirks, if we're not accepting and if we're going on, you know, dates or meeting people because we're trying to put our best foot forward, we're trying yeah. to put our, you know, the, the, the best version of ourselves yeah. onto the best of behavior for as long as it right? lasts and then it all unfolds. Absolutely. And, and then we get into, you know, the crosshairs of, Ooh, will this person accept me? Will I be judged? Will I be rejected? And so this idea of this fear of being seen then is our, it's, it's our ego. It's our protective mechanism. It's kind of like the shield mm. and the layer and the mask that we then put on and we wear for ourselves Exactly. See, actually, this is, you know, this is what, what, what I like to call it is performative. You know, if, mm. if, for example, if you grew up like myself, I grew up having to perform, you know, so for any, you know, Bharatanatyam competition or any, you know, classical Indian dance or Bhangra or even dance troupe, like you knew there was stage performance and you had to be live in yeah. front of you know, aunties, uncles wanting to see you perform. But then there's a way that you, you just are with your closest friends. And what I am curious about, like with your closest friends, you would let them see your quirks and your weirdness. And because those things make you come alive, those things are what they love most about you. But then when we're dating, <laughs> we're, we're, we're performative again, you know, and that's, and, and, and that's like four layers in front of who we actually really are instead of showing up to the date or showing up to the experience or showing up to the event literally raw, real curious. Like I'm right now, if you're watching this, I'm wearing, you know, my most <laughs> Texas hat mm -hmm. with stars. It. It, it's so wild. I mean, it says my, one of my core values on the back serve love, but it reminds me of my uniqueness. It reminds me of my truth. It reminds me of, yeah, I'm coming back to myself and, and that person, like I'm, I'm proud of that person. I, I love. And so I think it's, 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 practicing the muscle of how can you unapologetically just accept who you are in yourself with I love when, that. when when no one is watching you know it's like the opposite of would be like you know instead of what people think it should be well 
what do I think? And true. What, what, what's actually resonating for me right now at this moment? Mm. That definitely resonates. So thank you for saying that out loud. And yeah, it's sad, but a lot of our interactions are very superficial. We don't go deep enough. And a lot of that is to do with our questioning, you know, just asking the right questions and diving deeper and uncovering those layers because that is where true connection is built. Oh my gosh. And and I love that we're talking about dating because I'm actually recording my, um, I'm in the studio. It's like a very professional studio. So I'm like recording my fourth book, you know, that sucked now what on audio. Yes. Let's dive into that. Mm. For audiobooks um, or the audiobook version of it. But I wanted to actually say, you know, with the, I'm curious about the whole Seema auntie situation and Indian matchmaker, because I think what's so missing about that is, and maybe, you know, it's the way that the producers are editing it, but it's for mass consumption. And and here, the thing is, ladies and gents, boys, (laughs) everybody, uh, they're missing the point because we're just seeing like the interactions between the two people. It's not like, Hey, tell me about your values. Tell me like, what excites you in the world? Tell me, you know, where, like, what are your, what are some of your pet peeves? Tell me what are some of the struggles that you've been navigating or challenges or what have you learned about yourself? It's, it's just, where do you work? How much money do you make? Oh, do you think you can buy me this or that? And it's just so, and I'm like, and then compromise, compromise, like (laughs) shut up, like get over that. It's so, well, well, it's a compromisation, but it's just like, well, okay, well, let's talk about what we both desire and what we both like and, and, and what we're both into instead of, I feel like it's very, it's so superficial. It's just on the surface. It doesn't really get into like the depths of a human being. Like if you're going to be in relation with somebody, relation, relation would mean that you are going to share something deep and profound and vulnerable and, 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 and what challenges have you navigated? Because if you're going to spend life with this person, Mm -hmm. you probably need to know like how they react when they failed a test or how they reacted when maybe some tragedy happened at home. And, and so that's the humanness that we get to find out. Otherwise, you know, like I didn't have this with my first marriage and like then I joined the first marriage club with a lot of folks in our generation, actually, because they too, you know, wanted all of the things that Seema Auntie is propagating in that show. And I'm like, I was totally like that, you yeah. know, and it was just yeah. like, oh man, we're getting into this generation of folks who are getting married for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have these like skyrocketing divorces and it's, and it's fine. Cause then they'll read my book that sucked. Now what? And yeah. then, and then find, you know, a home to themselves. But I think that if I can give your audience and, and those of you listening, just some tools to, 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 to go deeper. And I feel like those listening to the show obviously want to go deeper because they're, they're sick of, of just, you know, being stuck in these surface level conversations. It's very transactional and doesn't serve any. <laughs> Yeah. It's transactional for the parents. It's transactional mm-hmm. for yourselves. It's transactional yeah. for society because mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, when are you going to get married? Or when are, why are you still single? What are you going to get? Oh, like, what are you going to wear? That's it. Yeah. Why aren't you, fi- yeah. Why, yeah. Why, are, why haven't you found anyone yet? And I think that for, for that, it's, uh, you know, how do you want that person to make you feel? And how do you want to feel when you are actually hanging out with that person? And I'll, I'll give you another example of this, you know, 
when you're, if you just think right now, one or two friends, friends, guy, girl, whatever, but two people that you, that make you feel the most alive, just think of them right now and think, how are you when you are hanging out with them? How are you? I can think of two friends right now that make me feel like most alive. I'm laughing. I'm laughing hysterically. They make me feel so seen, so supported, so loved. And that's how I want to feel in my partnership, my relationship, where now my now partner, who you know, Ajit, Mm -hmm. he makes me feel alive and loved. But I also know that on my own, right? But when I'm with him, it's he also brings that out of me, right? So what do you, so the first question is, think of somebody who makes you feel alive, that you love hanging out or, or that makes you feel safe, mm-hmm. that you can express whatever you want. They're not going to judge you. They're going to fully accept you and you have fun and you feel loved. But number two, then what is it that they make you feel when you're with them? I think that's the, you know, that's the juicy yeah, that's from what, from what I'm hearing you say, the key is to basically be super intentional about your conversations and your relationships with people. That's the key. Just stay intentional because that's when well, you get the best. Absolutely. It's intentionality. And it's also checking in with yourself because so many times we're driven by, I mean, it's just the fabric of, you know, how we were raised. It's yeah. what other people think. Oh, Seema auntie thinks I should go with this person. Seema auntie thinks I should compromise well what the heck do you want like who do you want to be with like why and why do you want to be with somebody who's five ten or six foot or all all of these things you know what I mean like it's all of the superficial stuff but why do you want somebody that's adventurous Mm. why do you want somebody that is well read why do you want somebody that's a great cook you know what are those interests and what are those values you know for myself when, you know, after my divorce, I, I mean, I had, I was, uh, I was celibate for a year. Then I went on a dating spree. I I dated, I think it was like, and I made a spreadsheet of like how many men I dated just to learn. I mean, voraciously date. And I mean, voracious because I wanted to learn so much about myself. I did not know really who or what I wanted. I thought I knew on paper. I literally made a list. So I was like some of those women, not on the superficial side, but I'm like, okay, how many spiritual books have they read? How many, uh, you know, uh, spiritual retreats have they been on? Have they done any psychedelics? Like, you know, all of these things, have they been to burning that, you know, and then like, that's me, that's my list. Exactly. Right. How many countries have they traveled to? Uh, like what are their, you know, what are their coping mechanisms? Like all of these very, you know, growth and awake mm. kinds of things. But when you put it on a spreadsheet, then you're not really activated in your heart. You're not, you're, you're using this as like a, a data point mm. instead of really feeling and, and knowing and tuning in to, yeah. hmm, actually when I am with that person, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like there's, there's mm. something there. Like we, we talk for hours, you know, we're, there's never uh there there's never a, a missed moment. He's yeah. he's so curious. I love that about him. Or she's so excited about, you know, everything that I'm doing. So so I think it's 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 being aware of how those people make you feel as well. Gosh, that's really powerful. Wow. I love that. Let's dive into your book a bit before time catches up. So what is the key underlying message from your book? 
that well, sucks now what <laughs> it's to normalize the sucky human moments that we all go to mm. like a breakup like a divorce like and and not just to normalize it to move on mm. but i would say to normalize it to feel it to normalize it to talk about it to normalize it to say i'm actually not okay right now yeah. i actually do need support I'm, I'm i'm actually going through the toughest day week month that I've had in a very long time. And, you know, like you said, I mean, I had been through a lot of uh, just heartache growing up. Mm -hmm. I lost three members of my family before I was 19, my mom, my brother, and my, my dad. And I was left to raise my youngest brother. You know, I was 19 and he was 14. And we were just trying to survive. Honestly, it was, it was full survival mode. And I didn't really know what the contrast of what the other side of survival was until I literally, you know, got embraced way, the hot shit. Yeah. way older. And so I think that if I would have given, if I knew the tools that I now talk about in this book, of mm -hmm. how to normalize having these hard conversations, which are super important in any interhuman relationship, interpersonal relationship, and of course, relate, uh, you know, love relationships to tell people around me, no, because all I kept hearing was, you know, toughen up, you're a big girl, or you're so strong, or you're the strongest person I'd never have met. That was not giving me permission to break down and just let it out and mm -hmm. cry until a decade later, when I would get into a very tumultuous relationship and leave my first marriage, but I would mm -hmm. fully break down into pieces and pick myself back up again. But then I was around coaches and therapists and healers and people who were giving me the tools to fully grieve and to let it out. And I think a lot of times, even when we're talking about relationships, we don't necessarily give ourselves time to grieve the relationship yeah. didn't work out. The story that we told ourselves that we were going to get married at 30 or, or have kids by whatever, 32 or, um, and, and I think that is, that's the missing link. That's the, the, the struggle that our book, you know, this book that suck now what aims to just be relatable that, yeah, you're going to go through some shit and some have gone through big T traumas and in, in some small T trauma, small little ones, maybe you didn't get along with a sibling or a friend, or maybe yeah. you experienced bullying, but like, how do you build resilience in the face of that? And I think also, you know, there's two concepts that I talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the first one is the bounce factor and your bounce factor is how you actually build audacious resilience. What four components does it make you, can it make you stronger in the face of adversity or challenge or setback when you didn't get that promotion or when you had this dream marriage, but then it, it ended mm -hmm. in a broken engagement or whatever that is. How do you then right. pick the pieces? Why are some people wired for more resiliency or bounciness than others? And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. how strong you are. No, it's, it's sometimes how soft you can be and bend even in a relationship, you know, and I think that our bounciness, when we're talking about our bounce factor, which is the first concept in the book, it's how we can relate to one another in a relationship. It's not about oh, like, oh, oh, I was right here. 
I'm I'm yeah. all, I'm always right. You're always wrong. You know, it's like no, put the ego back, tame yeah. it a little bit, and see what's coming up. Why is it that you need to be right? Like what what part of yourself that's wounded that didn't get everything right in the face of your mom or your dad, where you need exactly. to feel you need to put somebody else down so that you could feel right, or what part of your wounding still needs to say you're loved, you're amazing, and you tried the best. And it doesn't matter if, you know, your mommy or daddy d- didn't give you the validation. You don't need to prove yourself anymore, especially mm-hmm. in relationship. Because that's when, you know, that's like the worst, the the, the least attractive thing that you can say yeah. to someone. Well, you were wrong. I'm right. Yeah. You know, or I told you so, right? And so these communication breakdowns that I think that happen in relationships, sometimes it can leave people feeling defeated. Like, man, there's nobody out there for me. And, you know, understanding your bounce factor gives you tools to say, well, in my upbringing, was my mom always around me? Like, was I have, did I have a helicopter parents? And, or was I given, you know, liberty to make decisions on my own? Or is my mom still trying to call me on the phone saying, no, Bitte, you shouldn't mm. do this, you shouldn't do that. And you're listening to that. <laughs> yeah. Because I know, 40 year old clients that I've worked with had to go through everything with their parents, uh, even small decisions, you know? And so I think that upbringing number one definitely contributes to your ability to take risks in relationship, your ability to expose your heart in maybe being vulnerable, what's really on your mind, right? So that is your upbringing. You can't change that to build your resilience, but it's, often great to acknowledge where that's coming from and to make peace with it. And then mm-hmm. number two is how how good or how much good stress are you exposing yourself to? So your current environment, you can change that up. If you are <clears throat> mostly getting set up by dates and you're like, I do not want to do the apps or vice versa. You're like, nope, I'm only doing the apps. I would never get set up on a date. I would never do something arranged or I would never, you know, like open yourself to a wide variety of experiences because who's to say that experience may not be good for you or may be. Mm. And I think a lot of times we hold ourselves back because we have this preconceived notion Notion, that we think like we know best. And of course we do. But then if you think that you have it all figured out in your head and you're not giving the person, the situation, the circumstance, an opportunity, kind of like swiping really fast without maybe giving yourself the opportunity to just lean into it and say, you know what? Sure. I'll try this out, you know, instead of like judging the first. Oh man, uh, that's such a great reminder. <laughs> I needed that. Because honestly. it's color. And, and yeah, it's, it's, that's the resiliency piece of like, all right, I, I don't know, but that's good stress. That's also building your skills for dating. Remember, I dated like 50 people (laughs) in over six weeks just to get an understanding and a baseline of how I would be and what I need and what my non-negotiables are in relationship to know, oh, okay, actually at the end of it, it was just me. It was me that was scared. It was me that hadn't fully released and let go of a lot of the pain and hurt from my previous relationship. And I still needed work there and to have compassion for myself and love myself. And then the final two are your self-awareness, which is what we've been talking about. Your awareness to know, does this feel right or does this not? Does this person check in or do they not? Are this Is this group of friends toxic for me 
Or are they contributing to my life? Do I need to find a whole set of new people to hang out with? Because I feel like the ones that I have are just constantly ridiculing me, belittling me, putting me down. They're not supportive. That is radical self-awareness. That's tuning in to mm-hmm. parts of you that you're like, okay, that's that's that. My, my gut is feeling in knots again, butterflies again. Okay, maybe this is feeling like it's a good thing, despite what everybody else around me is saying, right? So tuning into yourself. And then yeah. finally- the fourth part of your bounce factor is your capacity to feel, your emotional capacity to feel. Instead of numbing, burying, distracting, or avoiding, or shoving it under a rug when something doesn't go your way, or because you were told, stop crying, or I'm going to give you a thupper by your mom. Now, when you grow up, you know that some of these feelings like rejection, or sadness, or failure, or heartbreak are emotions that you don't feel comfortable expressing, then that is the work. Then that's the work of saying, not going into a victim spiral, like, oh, why did this happen to me? Why am I constantly single? Why did I not? Why didn't that go well? Like, poor me. That has a place to really feel the mm-hmm. the emotions and sit in the suck. And I talk about a full emotional release practice and embodiment practice in my book that helps you let that go but we first have to feel it. So if we feel angry, grab a pillow and scream into the pillow and say, ah, you know, and just let it all out. Because when we were younger, we weren't able to do that. What happened? Somebody was chasing you around the house, you know, uh, (laughs) trying to give you a buzzword, you know, because it was, it was not a good emotion to have, but I let my kids like, okay, fine. You have big emotions right now. Let's, let's scream it all out. Let's do it together. And I call it a dinosaur dance. Make it ridiculous because our feelings have space and it's frustrating when you're not finding the right person. So let it out so that you don't take it out on the next person or your friend and you blame it on somebody else, but you're taking personal responsibility for the suck because yeah, it sucks. And there is joy on the other side of that. When you're releasing it, you're feeling lighter. You're not carrying it in your chest. You're not carrying it as tension headaches in your neck and your head. You're not carrying it on your shoulders where you're super tight and stiff. You're not carrying it in your stomach where you're feeling anxious all the time and having to go to the bathroom. It is definitely then processed through your body so that you're carrying, you're taking care of your vessel and that's really taking care of your emotional health. And that's, you know, I I think that, you know, understanding the importance of your emotional health and of course your mental health, but your emotions, how are you processing them? Mm. Because then it, you'll be able to change perspective and say, Hey, actually it's not just the people that I keep attracting are the wrong people. It's, maybe it's me. Maybe I have still work to do, or I have to talk to somebody or I have to seek some help because maybe I am the one that is bringing this in for whatever reason that I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. Wow. This is so key. Embracing the discomfort in times like these where we just seem to be stuck in this comfort crisis, to be honest. I mean, mental health is on the rise like never before, especially amongst the young where it's affecting them to like a very disturbing level. And this whole thing is amplified so much that it just makes you wonder, is there a gap in resilience or whatever else it may be, there clearly seems to be some missing element in how we are teaching them to deal with life. 
Yeah, I think especially, you know, uh, so one in three people will have, you yeah. know, I think the studies are showing uh, a mental health crisis or challenges with their mental health. Mm-hmm. And because we haven't been given the tools to create a safe split, a, a safe place to, you know, what our thoughts are, because when we are feeling something, right, when we feel gosh, I, I feel, I feel angry right now, or I feel, I feel jealous about that person who just, I saw them on Instagram and they they're going on this vacation and then another vacation or hanging with this friend that I wasn't invited to, right? That's where it starts. So I feel jealous. Therefore, then in my head, my thoughts, my mental thoughts are running in my head and I'm creating a story that I'm not worthy or I am not I'm not accepted or I'm not loved because I wasn't invited or I don't have the money to go to that or whatever. We make these thoughts in our minds. And when we make these stories in our minds from a feeling that we haven't processed, instead of thinking, well, why do I feel jealous right now? Why do I feel angry right now that I wasn't invited? What does that mean? Well, maybe a core wound that's being activated is that time you were being bullied or that time where you felt rejected because you tried to make friends with somebody and they just completely shut you off and you felt isolated. And these are real validated feelings. So what part of yourself, maybe that happened when you were five or 10 or 15, Mm -hmm. that part of yourself is coming up because that part of yourself is activated. It's wounded. It's triggered. So that part of yourself needs to talk to that younger part and say, Hey, it's okay. I, I know you're feeling hurt right now, but that's not all of you. And, and to just acknowledge it. And so when we're giving space for our emotions, then it doesn't rise up into our thoughts where we start to make meaning in our mind about something that didn't go right. And then we start believing the story. Well, maybe all people think that of me, maybe I'm just not worth it. I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not tall enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not all the, I'm not, not right. I'm not worthy to have these friends, to have these things. And then we make that mind, that story in our mind. It first comes from the feeling that we feel. So if we're able to experience, again, that's the fourth part of your bounce factor, feel the emotional capacity, then we can stop the thoughts and the, the beliefs that we have in our head, the stories we create in our minds that will then make us think that we are not worthy of even being here. And so that's where a lot of people get into, you know, the depressive states and things like that. And because there's such a taboo in India around therapy and coaching and, and, you know, mental health, I think that now a lot of young people are starting to learn. And, and I think with the pandemic, I mean, that did suck. And you guys had the longest lockdown that I've ever seen. And I I know that from friends, family members, and people in the community that, that I've heard, I mean, it was like, it had a really big struggle on a lot of people because that's the first time that you had to sit within and you had to go within. And if you didn't have a solid practice or any practice at all of reckoning with your emotions. Very that's like a, that's like an ayahuasca practice right there. <laughs> oh years that you guys had like unknowingly so some people yeah, had a really true. terrible time with it and some people had a full awakening experience 
And that's the other concept that I talk about in the book, how to fly forward, because I talk about this framework called the fly forward framework. And every single person I talked to in India that was you know, living there during the pandemic had a fall and falling is that first stage. The falling stage you know, happens because you're in the middle of a crossroads. You're like, mm. oh shit, there was a medical diagnosis or somebody died. And I know we all lost people during the pandemic. Or there was a decision that had to be made and you're like, am I going to stay here? Am I going to go somewhere or whatever the case is, but it's so dire, it's unexpected and it requires you to take action. And sometimes that action is courageous. It's brave. It's not pretty. It's all of those things, but then it allows you to move into that ignition stage, which, which is, you know, stage two. And and if you are in stage two, that means you're okay. There's fire under your belly. You're taking this this action of, all right, I don't know what the next step is, but I know that I need to do this for me. And then we get into rising stage and then magnifying stage. And then of course, then thriving, but it doesn't mean that you can never have a fall because falls are part of our daily life. Part of our life. Yeah, exactly. Falls are, are, you know, it's, it's reminders to help us understand <clears throat> where we still need to grow in, you know, in our lives. And for some of us, it could be still really painful. And for some of us, it could just be, okay, how do we integrate parts of ourselves that are still not yet healed? Yeah. Wow. Super powerful. Loving the nuggets in this half an hour conversation, honestly. Tell me, Nita, what do you tell yourself when you're going through a really hard time? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the mantras that I have now is, well, that sucked. Now. No. Yeah. And and, yes. and and honestly, it's it's true because you know the the mantra that you can use, and it's it's one of the mantras in our emotional release practice, mm-hmm. in our embodiment practice. And and if you want to know how to start mastering your emotions, I have a whole free guidebook that you can download from my very first book, Emotional Grit. Mm-hmm. But it's completely for free. You can go to globalgrit.co forward slash eg guidebook. Okay. I'll add it in the link. Okay. Guidebook, okay. please. Yeah. So globalgrit.co forward slash EG guidebook, but it, it's like 40 pages of helping you in journaling prompts to help you start cultivating, if this is all foreign to you, how to get closer and understanding your emotions, how to help integrate them and what, you know, certain things that might be coming up like triggers and things like that. And it only happens when we're in a relationship, you know, what you can, you can uh, meditate in a corner all day long but it doesn't, the triggers don't come up as it does in relationship. And it's so easy to say, all right, bye, let's break up. It's not working out or let's, you know, Mm. but it's, it's harder to say, Ooh, what part of me is feeling activated? And why is that? And what part of the other person is also activated where what parts of our little selves, the little kids in ourselves, our inner kids, our inner children in ourselves need that love, need that validation, is scared, is threatened, needs to just be reminded of who they are, right? And so that sucked. And now what is a mantra of, you know, mantra where we just, it reminds us, it brings us back into the moment of, all right, wow, that, that really did suck. He, you know, Mm. she really said that. And that really hurt. Like what you said really hurt me actually. And I want you to know that. And, 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 and you're voicing how you feel. You're not 
leaning on them to make you feel better, but you're just voicing where you are. Your feelings are valid. Your thoughts and your feelings are valid. And for you to express it is one part of that. And then also, okay, well, once we've acknowledged it, we can then start to move that because we're paying attention. We're, we're making ourselves aware of that. So I use this as a mantra so that we can focus in on it, not to take us into a pity party. So what I don't want people to think is, oh, well, she just wants us to be in the victim. Mm. No, you know, victim mentality is, is, you know, for, for those who yes, need to sit in the suck. Cause I want us all to be able to give ourselves to sit in the suck, to acknowledge the pain, because that's why we got here. All we all wanted to bury it under a rug and say, it's okay. It's okay. You know, like, forget about it. It's fine. Mm. But it's, it has a place. Your feelings have a place. So yeah. acknowledge it. And then it's not in the victim. It's not in the victor or the hero. Like, okay, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this relationship. I'm going to save this marriage. I'm going to save this friendship. It's not that it's in the vulnerability. It's in the honesty. Right. Of like, I don't know if we can save this friendship. I don't know if we can save this relationship, but I I do know is I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to try my hardest to be there for you. I'm going to try my hardest to be a better friend, be a better partner, be a better daughter, be a better mom. I'm going to try. That's the intentionality. Again, you are choosing to do different. And that's the difference. Instead of saying, all right, this is not going to work. Forget it. Next, move on, swipe, swipe left. You're saying, I choose you and I choose this and I'm committed to working on this better. But you know what? That time it really did suck. And it really made me feel so hurt about whatever it was, right? And I think that that in the breakdown of when things don't go bad, it is an indication. It's like, for instance, you put a hand, you know, you're making chai and the chai is boi- boiling and you put your hand literally inside the chai. And I've literally had this happen to me. Oh, damn. So I definitely know. I have the scars to prove. But what happens is most of us We'll just, you know, we'll, you're going to burn your hand. So you're going to move the chai to a different place. You know, you're going to turn off the stove, hopefully, so you don't get burned. Try aloe vera, by the way. Very good for burns. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But it's, if we don't turn it off, we are going to burn our hand off. And the thing is, is if we are not paying attention to our emotions, to, oh shit, I'm feeling anxious again, or man, I'm feeling nervous again, or, man, I'm feeling this like tinge in my stomach, this, this, you know, this knot in my stomach. And I felt that way when my other friend betrayed me or when I felt like I was on the other date and I felt like they were talking bad about me, but you, you feel something, but then you don't say anything. You don't call that person forward. You keep it in, you keep it in, you keep it in. It's like that stove is getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And the chai is literally about to bust and boil over But that is a gauge, like your emotions are a gauge. It's a gauge to know that pain is that reminder. Like you're putting your hand in that hot boiling water to move your hand. The emotions that you're feeling is a reminder. It's it's to turn it off. And so you can look at it, move the pot, but ask yourself, okay, where am I feeling this right now? Because our pain in our emotions, our discomfort in feeling the emotions, the discomfort in feeling the sadness, the discomfort in feeling the grief, the discomfort in feeling the loneliness, the abandonment, all of those things, they are reminders to say, 
what part of myself really needs to heal this right now? What part of this reminds me of a breakup that didn't go well or a conversation that I had with my mom that is still in the back of my head or a conversation that my dad said to me when I was like 19 years old. So because there are all parts of us and it's totally normal to have these things come up and it only comes up as temperature gauge. So sure. and if we're not paying attention to the overboiling chai, it's going to burn us. So that's, and, and that's the only way we can then integrate, uh, you know, the, the painful emotions to then change perspective. So we're like, oh, okay. He didn't really break up because of me. He broke up because he wasn't ready yet. And that's him. That's his stuff. Or maybe she ghosted me because she's going through all of these other things. I'm making a story about it in my head that I think I'm not worthy enough. And that's not even the case. So the pain allows us to reintegrate and heal parts of ourselves, but we have to give it space. We have to give it time to breathe. Mm, Absolutely. First up, I love the chai analogy. I think that's super cool. (laughs) Very innovative. And yeah, I think there really has to be a shift from escapism to awareness and acceptance, or at least that's been my takeaway from all the beautiful things you've shared today. Okay, time for our ritual now. And I'm really curious about your views on this. What in your view is an epic being? Oh, an epic being is unapologetic with who they are in the world, how they show up, really embracing all of their quirks, really embracing their full multi-dimensionality or multi-hyphenate self that they have all of these different passions. And they're not afraid of leading with those quirks. They're not afraid of leading with who they really are because they are epic. Wow. That's like honey to my ears. Amazing. Thank you for that. And where would you like people to find you, Dr. Nita? Yes. So Nita Bushin um, on IG is the the, the best way to mm-hmm. connect and uh, to share stories. People share their stories all the time. If you're curious about the book, um, again, we already have the, the free gift that you can definitely tack on and, mm-hmm. and start using right now. Amazing. But the book is thatsuckednowwhat.com. And when you order one book, you actually get three of my bonuses, which includes uh five-day healing practice. And so a lot of the healing modalities we talked about throughout all day today around healing your relationships, calling in abundance, taking courageous action, being more brave, connecting back to yourself. It's five days. And we actually start day one in healing those past relationships. So it could be love relationships, a relationship with your mom or your dad or your sibling or a friend. And then we go into, you know, uh, day two with which you're healing certain aspects about yourself, um, you know, to call in better health, to call in more abundance, to call in more courageous acts. And then we get into day three, day four and day five, where we're kind of um, working back to uh, coming back to yourself so you can find a relationship and a love of your life and and the love of your dreams. But it only starts when you're cultivating you. Absolutely. Gosh, love that. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your beautiful wisdom and your courage and helping young adults to own their authentic selves and be brave and bold. Thank you for this. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Sukun. It was a pleasure. Love as always. And that's the wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this conversation resonated, help spread the value by sharing with a friend and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on Instagram at epic.beings. 
Also, to stay up to date with weekly episodes, you may want to hit subscribe. Until next time, stay epic.